Hello, thank you so very much for having me. Um, I will be talking, we'll be going through Genesis chapter 27 um, from verses 1 through verse 17. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to go through it. Um, this is the story of Rebecca and Esau and Jacob and Isaac. They're a family. Um, Rebecca is the mother. Isaac is the father. They had twin sons, Esau and Jacob. We're at the point of the story where um, Isaac wants to bless Esau. So, and it came to pass that when Isaac was old and his eyes were dim so that he could not see, he called Esau his eldest son and said unto him, I know not the day of my death. Now, therefore, take, I pray thee, thy weapons, thy quiver and thy bow, and go out to the field, and take me some venison, and make me savory meat, such as I love, and bring it to me, that I may eat, that my soul may bless thee before I die. And Rebekah heard when Isaac spake unto Esau, his son. And Esau went to the field to hunt for venison and to bring it. So here we see Isaac is old in age and his eyes are dim so that he cannot see. And when I read that, it immediately brings me to Eli. In 1 Samuel, Eli, the priest, his eyes were dim and, and he couldn't see either. And it makes me wonder if they were both in very similar spiritual circumstances or places having their eyes go dim. We know that Abraham, his father, lived for a very long time. He was old in age and he did not have any vision issues. So here we have Isaac, his son, having vision issues. This is after he had lied to um, Abimelech stating that, Re that, that Rebecca was his sister when she was in fact his wife. We see a deterioration in his relationship with God. Um, here he is not trusting that God can protect him, but that he is going to have to come up with this lie to protect himself so that they wouldn't kill him and take his beautiful wife, Rebecca. And it's just interesting to me here that his eyes are dim, much like Eli's eyes were dim, much like sin had entered into Eli's life when he was old in age. And in this same situation, we see where Isaac battled with lying. Um, and so now his eyes are dim. And so now he, he cannot see and... He's going to bless the older of the two twin, Esau. But Rebekah heard it. So Rebekah spake unto Jacob, her son, saying, Behold, I heard thy father speak unto Esau, the Esau thy brother, saying, Give me venison and make me savory meat that I may eat and bless thee, therefore, the Lord before my death. Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice according to that which I command thee. Go now to the flock and fetch me from thence two kids of the goats, and I will make them savory meat for thy father, such as he loveth. 
and thou shalt bring it to thy father, and he, that he may eat, and that he may bless thee before his death. Jacob is a little bit concerned, but because even though they're twins, they're not identical twins. They're actually fraternal twins. They're a little bit kind of opposite. Um, and here is why. Jacob explains. Um, and Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, Behold, Esau, my brother, is a hairy man, and I'm a smooth man. My father, peradventure, will feel me, and I shall seem to him as a deceiver, and I shall bring a curse upon me and not a blessing. And his mother said unto him, Upon me be thy curse, my son. Only obey my voice, and go fetch me them. And he went and fetched and brought them to his mother, and his mother made savory meat such as his father loved. And Rebekah took goodly raiment of her eldest son Esau, which were with her in the house, and put them upon Jacob, her younger son. And she put the skins of the kids of the goat upon his hands and upon the smooth of his neck. And she made, she made savory meats and the bread, which he had prepared unto the hand of her son Jacob. So, again, they were fraternal twins. Esau was very hairy, and Jacob was very smooth. Now, he had to be really hairy if she's going to use the kid's hair, the, 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 the kid be, being the, the animal skin that has a lot of hair. That's what she's using on Jacob to camouflage that he is Esau. That means Esau was really, really hairy. Not just that. So she would have accomplished deceiving Isaac with the touch, the senses of touch, because when you cannot see, right, your senses are heightened. You have a heightened sense of touch, a heightened sense of smell, your other senses, a heightened sense of taste, a heightened sense of hearing. So because Esau couldn't see, she had to make sure that she was able to trick him in the sense of touch and also trick him in the sense of smell. So she went and she got Esau's clothes that she had in her house because back then they lived in tents and so they didn't have like a three-bedroom house where she is in the master bedroom with Isaac and then the other kids are in the other rooms. No, they were in tents. And so she had some clothes that Esau probably left in her tent. And so she was able to put those clothes on Jacob so that he would smell like Esau and then he would feel like Esau. One thing she couldn't cover up or Jacob couldn't deceive Isaac with was the sound, the voice, the hearing. He did not sound like Esau when he spoke. No matter how much he tried, they were not identical twins. They were fraternal twins. They didn't sound the same. They didn't feel the same. They didn't smell the same, any of that. So we find here that Rebecca used her son because the whole reason behind her wanting Jacob to be blessed over Esau is that earlier in the scripture, we see that there was a promise that her older son would serve her younger son and so she took it upon herself 
to use this as the opportunity to help God fulfill his prophecy. Who do we know in the Bible that did that before? Rebecca. Sarah did the same thing. Sarah had the promise that she would bear a son with Abraham. So what does she do? Time was going. She's 80 years old. She's really old. She's way past childbearing age. What does she do? She said, you know what, Abraham, you can have my servant Hagar. And Hagar will have this child and it will be our child. So she took it upon herself to help God. Sarah did the same thing. So we find Sarah making this mistake with this particular sin. And here comes Rebecca. I do believe that they were more closely related than just being mother-in-law and daughter-in-law. Rebecca, um, Sarah was Abraham's half-sister and Rebecca was Abraham's niece. So it's highly likely that they were related. Sarah and Rebecca were related. So we have this generational tendency of helping God flowing from one generation to the next generation. So you have them both here. Now Rebecca is deciding she's now going to help God to fulfill his promise. Do we have a promise from God? Has God promised us something and it's taking longer than we think it should? Are we falling into that same temptation or that same trick in trying to help God fulfill his purpose or his promise in our lives. If that be the case, I just want to remind you that God is a promise-keeping God. His timing may not be our timing, but his word will come to pass. His ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. So let us not be tempted to try to help God. We find that they try, Rebecca tried to help God. And in doing so, she encourages her son to practice deceit, to practice lying, to practice cheating. As a mother of two boys, there are times when it may seem like I favor one over the other because of what the situation is. And children typically know who they believe their, their, you know, the parent's favorite is. I think it's a little different with twins. I think there would be a lot of competition between twins. Which of the twins walked first? Which of the twins was potty trained first? Which of the twins ate solid foods first? Who weaned first? You know, who slept through the night first? There would be a lot who spoke first. I think there would be a lot of competition just because they are the same age. It would be really, really hard to not compare the two. And we find that there was a favorite. Esau was Isaac's favorite. So Esau was daddy's favorite. While, while um, Jacob was mommy's favorite. We know that it's not good to pay favorites. We should never play favorites with our children. We do understand that there are different ways that we treat the older son. We treat the older child a little bit differently than we treat the middle child a little differently than we treat the youngest child. Simply because they're in different stages in life. 
And so we have to treat the child based on their development and where they are. So that's why I think it always seems like the baby gets the most of the attention because they require more attention. When, one, when the older child is walking and running, the younger child is still in diapers usually in the beginning stages. And so it may seem as if we are tending to, to baby the youngest one, but they also get to learn from the experiences of the older children in the group. It's hard not to play favorites, but we really should not play favorites. That our God is a just God and, and and we aspire to be like our daddy and we should treat our children fairly. Again, depending on their developmental stage, where they are in life, what they will understand, what's over their head and things like that. So we really should not play favorites. But I believe it would have been hard to not play favorites when you have a twin. Now, I don't have twins, but I have two boys. And I see where I might be harder on my older child because he should know better and he should set the example for the younger one. And there are times when the younger one may get away with more things because for whatever reason, you tend to, as the more children you have, you tend to not be as strict with the younger one as more come along i think about how old isaac was when when rebecca had her children she had he was around 60 years old and if you've ever been around somebody who has children later in life they tend to baby the children <laughs> the later in life they have children um, if you look at even Jacob, by the time Joseph was born, Joseph, he played favorites with Joseph. He gave him the coat of many colors, but Joseph was a child in his old age. Now we know that he'd really loved Jacob. He really loved Joseph because of, um, because of his wife. We know that. Rachel, we know that he really loved her. He really loved Joseph because of Rachel. But the Bible said that Joseph was a child in Jacob's old age. And when there's an extended time when you wait to have children later in life, those younger children tend to, I don't know, I call it like the grandparents syndrome. You treat them more like, a, like you're their grandparent and you spoil them a little bit more than you would if you had children earlier earlier in life but back to Isaac and and Rebecca they had these twins one was favorite with daddy one was favorite with mommy and it would have been definitely difficult to not compare the two and we shouldn't play favorites and we shouldn't try to help God um, moving on there are other examples in the Bible where we see where people try to help God and it didn't end well. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, Uzzah tried to catch the ark. They were carrying the ark. Somebody stumbled. The ark was tilted. His heart was in a good place. His heart was really in a good place because nobody, in the same way where you wouldn't see your national flag 
on the floor. You try not to let it hit the ground. This is like a reverence he had for the ark. He didn't want the ark hitting the ground. And so he caught the ark in trying to help God. But God's word was you weren't supposed to touch the ark. And in trying to not have it hit the ground, he decided he was going to try to catch it. And unfortunately, he was killed. Immediately after touching the ark, he died. Um, obedience to God's word is paramount to our feelings or what we think is right in that time. Obedience is most important. What you'll find with God is whenever he has asked us to do anything or anybody in the Bible who he's asked to do anything, once they walk in obedience, you don't see chariots, you don't see parades, you don't see good job you don't see you don't see all of that because obedience is what we're supposed to be doing we're supposed to be obedient to god when you offer your body a living sacrifice holy pleasing acceptable which is what your reasonable service that is what you're supposed to be doing anyway so because it's something you're supposed to be doing you're not going to hear the the accolades the clapping oh you you listen to what i said you're supposed to do you were obedient today and and you're gonna have god clapping for you no we're supposed to be obedient just like when you have a child and you tell the child to go and take a shower go and bathe and a child go and bathe they don't have a parade for the child oh thank you you went and you showered you listened to me no it <laughs> doesn't work like that god is our parent we tend to get a lot of our parenting skills or styles we learn from our heavenly father and so because obedience is something that we're supposed to be doing it is paramount when you obey you get rewarded but you don't get a a, a show for it when you disobey then you definitely feel the consequences of disobedience god wants us to show that we love him and if we love him we're going to obey him and we, we, that's how we show that we love God. We obey him. And um, so another, another thing is Saul was disobedient. So we see obedience is a regular standard. Obedience is what we're supposed to be doing. Obedience is where we're supposed to be anyway. Then you have Saul who is king. He's told that he's supposed to wipe out this nation, completely annihilate them, don't take anything from them, don't kill all the animals, kill all the people, kill everything, don't touch anything, don't take anything. And when Samuel the prophet comes, there are the lambs bleating and the cows mooing. And so Samuel is like, what is all of this? What is this that I'm hearing? And Saul is like, well, the people took the best of the stuff. They wanted to offer it to God obedience is better than sacrifice so here it is he's trying to say hey i was just helping god out so that the people would have a sacrifice for god we're doing it to please him but you can't please god by disobeying his word remember that obedience is our reasonable service obedience is what we're supposed to be doing anyway walking in obedience is not pleasing to god and we cannot walk in disobedience and fulfill his purpose at the same time so we can't so we're doing this for god we're going to walk in disobedience to please god disobedience does not please god we need to follow his word so another point from from rebecca's story 
is that we have to we have to really count the cost i honestly don't believe that when she decided you know what i'm going to help god i'm going to have jacob deceive his daddy i don't think she was thinking about the consequences of the rift in that relationship i don't think she had gone that far down the road into thinking when isaac finds out what jacob did what is that going to do to their relationship i don't think she considered the cost whenever we're have we're, we're deciding that we're going to try to help god which we really shouldn't we really need to count the cost is 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 a separation of the family is complete ripping away of the family something that god would have wanted for us is that something that he said you know what we're i mean unless god says this is this i'm going to separate you i'm going to set you apart i'm going to have you over here while you prepare for the assignment i have for you but then that is god doing it on god's timing this is somebody coming in to help god but then did she really count the cost did she count what it would do to isaac and jacob's relationship it was probably already strained because you notice isaac loved esau esau was not only the firstborn but he was also a hunter he was out there catching game bringing home making venison we know we know how men are with their bellies and like you know they love to eat eat good food and esau was doing that why what did they say about jacob jacob lived in the tents he was a plain man living in the tents a plain man living in the tents and here you have esau that was not a plain man living in the tent he was a hunter which was seen as something very valuable because he's bringing in food even though they raise cattle he's going out there and hunting and bringing in food and making venison so you can tell that jacob was not he wasn't he wasn't daddy's little boy he wasn't daddy's boy esau was daddy's boy what strain did rebecca add to the relationship between isaac and jacob i don't think she thought about what it would do to her husband and her son the relationship that was probably already strained that she just completely caused a rip i don't think she counted what would have occurred between esau and jacob it was like hey we're going to do this we're going to help god we're going to make it work and we don't care who gets hurt in the process we don't care whose heart gets ripped out we don't care about the fallout or the aftermath of this thing i don't think she really considered that and you know the word of god says that his blessings doesn't come with sorrow his blessings doesn't come with sorrow so after e isaac blesses jacob esau comes in and said hey here's the venison and he's like but who was here before you so isaac's heart broke esau got really angry because he realized that his younger brother came in and stole the blessing or or you know came in and deceived his father created a lot of issues there 
No, Esau's like, I'm going to kill him. He deserves to die. I'm going to kill him. Now, these are twin brothers. The relationship between brothers are usually one out of two ways. Either it's very tight, brothers are very close, or like Cain and Abel, there's that Cain and Abel spirit where they hate each other. I honestly don't think that they hated each other. I don't think that's where it was. I think Esau was upset with Jacob for tricking him out of his birthright or, you know, Esau really didn't care about his birthright. And that's what the Bible said. He hated his birthright. He didn't care. So I don't think that bothered him too much that Jacob took his birthright. But I think he believed that Jacob went a little too far with deceiving his father to get the blessing that he was supposed to get. I think that's where the line was drawn for Esau. And being brothers, twin brothers, that would have caused a serious discord and a serious rip in their relationship to the point now where he is saying that he's going to kill his brother. It takes a lot of anger. It takes a lot of, of hurt for somebody to get to that point where they want to see somebody who hurt them dead. I really don't think Rebecca counted the cost of deceiving her husband, having her son deceive her husband, and deceiving her other son. What did Esau think about Rebecca after this? This is my mummy. How could she let my brother do this to me? How could she instruct my brother to do this to me? Rebecca didn't count that cost. Rebecca also did not consider not ever seeing Jacob again. This is her favorite child. She loved Jacob. She's now sending him away so that his brother doesn't kill him. And she never sees him again. She didn't, she didn't plan this one through. She didn't plan this one through. There's no way, no way she planned this one through. Losing her beloved baby her favorite child, sending him away like that, she did not count the cost. And a lot of times when we decide that we are going to try to help God, we are nearsighted. We can only see what's happening here and now. We're not looking down the road, two years down the road, 10 years down the road, a generation down the road. We're not thinking long distance. We're not thinking far distance. We're thinking near distance. So we're thinking short term. We're not thinking long term. And here we find Rebecca decided that she has the answer. Here is the opening. She probably thought, you know what? God created this opening for me. God allowed me to hear Isaac talking to Esau. God allowed this thing to happen so that I can now come in and have Jacob deceive Isaac. And so she sprung into action. She's <laughs> very, very short term, very, very short term, not counting the cost. So from this experience, from, from this story here in, in Genesis, where we see this woman decides that she is going to help God. Let it not be heard or let it not be thought among you 
that you should help God. God is perfectly, perfectly able and capable. And what he will do is he will ask you to do whatever he needs you to do. He will give you that unction. He will give you that, that instruction. He will tell you what to do. He doesn't need us scheming, lying, plotting, anything like that. He doesn't need you acting outside of his will to accomplish his word. He's a promise-keeping God. We can trust him. We can trust that his words are ye and amen. And if he said that the younger is going to be a, a greater nation and that the older shall serve the younger, then Rebecca should have just prayed and left it to God. Hey God, I heard Esau, um, Esau and Isaac talking and Isaac is about to bless Esau. But you said, God, you said that the younger would serve or, or the older would serve the younger. So Lord God, this is your word. This is what you said. You're a promise keeping God. I need you to intervene and I need you to put it to pass instead of taking it into her own hands and trying to bring it to pass. So that's the message that I have for you today. Please do not help God. Trust God to be God. Trust God to, to do what he says that he will do. Thank you. Yes, sir. I, there's a point you made, and I, I kept. I feel like the goosebumps all over my body. Is the fact that she did not count the cost of the enmity between her two sons. Yes. The enmity between Esau, his firstborn, and herself. You know, I didn't really. I have never thought about it. It is quite deep for me, and I am feeling very terrible for her. Seriously. Yes. It was a huge mistake. It didn't, she didn't really count the cost. No. I, I, I can't own it. I, I would have waited till you tell us to talk, but I need to come up like this. It's touching me. This point is really, really touching me. Many parents have lost the relationship between their children, I mean, between them and their children because of this, this simple mistake. Mm -hmm. The fact that you... The fact that you... You you, you juggled it. I mean, what do you call There's this... Um, uh, preference, you know, you, you told us about not taking preference. You prefer one to another, and this has caused a lot of hatred within the family. Is the children fighting against each other? I mean, one another, you like, what is really, really happening? Yes. It is the enmity that was caused right from the beginning of the relationship. Yes. And this doesn't really, see, it doesn't come to an end. The, the enmity between brothers could take for years could take forever. A friend could just, you can, you can just say and talk to a friend and friends, it's, it's after all, it's just friends. But this enmity between brothers could be forever. My sister could just decide not to talk to me again. I'll keep begging and begging and begging. Everybody will join me to beg before she would understand, before she would come to understand. And suddenly when the, the, the gap between them are not, not so long, Oh, and or rather maybe one is more brilliant than the other and it is it, disadvantaged at one point or the other it, and you know it, it, there's this this grievance that happens in between them it, it's horrible God bless. Yes. thanks first of all 
Hallelujah. Thank you very much, uh, Carrie Ann, for this wonderful piece. Mm -hmm. Now, to add to it, um, uh, the part that even though God has spoken to you and told you and said, do this. Don't try to help him accomplish whatever he wants to do. Right? Look at Rebecca. Trying to help God. Trying to help God to achieve what God would have ordinarily achieved by himself. God spoke and said, the younger shall serve. Sorry. The older shall serve the younger. He had already spoken. Yeah. Now, trying to begin to want to help God, two things will always happen in your life. One is that you either delay the process because when you want to take over the place of God, what he does is he will just let you have your way and see what becomes of you in the end. You understand? Yes. He will let you have your way. Yes. That is God. That's number one. Number two is that you... Okay, I said number one is that you may end up making the process to be delayed. Yes. The other part is that you will spoil a lot of things that you would have wished you didn't even go into it. For example, as to Paul just made mention of destroying relationship between siblings, look at the hatred. The hatred that Esau had for his brother Jacob. That hatred was so much. That hatred was so much. Who caused it? Their mom. Or doing things outside of God's own world, outside of God's own will, outside of God's own way. Yes, that God spoke to me to do a particular thing doesn't mean I have to do it my way. It has to be God's way or it shouldn't be done at all. Yes. If God says, don't sit on this seat. When you get up, don't go and sit in any other seat. Try to find out where he wants you to sit. Not because he said, don't sit on this seat. Then you get up on that seat, and then you go pick another seat. And then as you pick that other seat, and then as uh, and sit down, what happens next is you may end up sitting in the seat he didn't intend you to sit. That's why we must let the Holy Spirit help mm -hmm. us. Yes. And one way the Holy Spirit is going to help us is if we are going to allow ourselves to be students of scriptures, students of the Bible. Yes. For example, if you have known, or since you have known, the result of trying to help God accomplish what he wants to accomplish by himself in the life of Rebecca mm -hmm. and a simple mistake of wanting to help God and going into some funny attitude or funny activities. Now, if you have learned this story, what then would you do? You will sit down. I hear you say, count the cost. You will sit down and ask yourself, is this decision I'm trying to do, like Rebecca did, is it worth it? If it is not, what do I do? I learned. The Bible says in Romans chapter, I suppose chapter 15, it said, it said, this thing was written mm -hmm. for our learning. These scriptures, these stories, they were written down for us to learn. They didn't just write it for us to come read and understand and enjoy the stories and then know the history of what happened to 
our fathers. No. It was written, all those stories were written for us to learn. So, Rebecca, we can learn the good part of Rebecca. We can learn the negative part Rebecca portrayed and correct our ways. Are we going to be free from errors totally on as long as we're on this earth? No, we may not be. We we'll have our own little, little problem. But you see, it's better for me to have my own problem instead of the problem that my father actually had. For example, if my father told a particular line and I see the result, and I have known that this is what happened to him, and then I still go through that route, then I am the fool. I am the fool. After the Holy Spirit, the greatest teacher, yes, they said this experience but for me it's not just my own experience my own experience is a very costly one so if the best teacher is the experience i learn from people who have gone ahead of me yes the experience of other people yes. in this case the experience of rebecca yes. so the experience of rebecca should be a good teacher to me should be a good teacher to you as as you go in life right Yes. Here you have two children. You have more children. You may tend to there's a tendency that you want to, you have some spot for one. Don't let it come out. Mm -hmm. Don't let the children know that this is the situation. In fact, in why should you even have soft spot for one or the other? Yes, I understand that one the stubborn one you may want to be always angry at him. The reason you should be angry at him is because you love him you care about him it's not because it's not because you want to prove to prove a point between the both of them and never let your children or never let you find yourself in a situation where where the, the purpose or the motive is being misunderstood mm -hmm. when it is being misunderstood then even the good thing that you are about to do you have just with your own hand, wasted it. So what do you do? By all means, guide your heart and guide yourself to always be on the side of the word of God, on the side of the will of God. Yes, God has spoken concerning Jacob. He spoke. He said the younger will become the, 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 the head, he will become yes. the, the ruler. That is, if he has said it, he has the capacity to bring to pass whatever he has said concerning that young man. Yes. You don't have to help God. Not necessarily when it has to do with your, your the relationship between your children, no. In basically every area of your life. If God has spoken to you, what you should do is just find out what he wants you to do and do. What he did not send you to do, leave it alone. Leave it alone. Yes. Leave it alone. If God wants you to go into business and then he tells you that he's going to supply the resources for you to go into business, don't attempt to want to go into taking a loan to go into business when you, have, you don't have an idea except you are guided properly. Maybe that's a bad, bad example, but it's the truth. Let God who gave you the assignment make available the resources, right? Yes. All the wisdom, the knowledge for you 
to carry out the assignment that he gives to you. Yes. 